0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Minnesota Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Neuer, coming at you on a Tuesday night on October 25th. That's the sweet sound of an island ale from Alaskan Brewery. Send me a tweet of your drink of choice. In today's episode, Ty will be joining us to talk about the Timberwolves' early season struggles, and then we're going to preview the Minnesota Vikings' upcoming matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. I'll then close things off, talking about the Minnesota Twins' catching outlook for 2023-2023 and maybe what we can expect heading into next year. So, let's talk some Minnesota sports. Today's episode is brought to you by Eric Molesther at Coldwell Banker Realty. The real estate economy right now is crazy, and it's the perfect time to sell your house. Whether you're looking to sell, invest in real estate, or find your next dream home, then Eric Molstather at Coldwell Banker Realty is your guy. Eric is committed to bringing you an experience that goes beyond just buying or selling a home. If that sounds like you, give Eric Molstather a call at 651-357-6528 or email him at eric.molstather at cbrealty.com. That's eric with a K dot M-O-L-S-A-T-H-E-R at cbrealty.com. And tell him Andrew sent you. All right, we're joined now by... Ty Ty. You can follow him at Ty Ty Buckets. We're going to be talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Vikings today. Ty, how's it going? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. We got a little technical difficulties there. We couldn't hear each other. We think we sat in this room for probably 20, 25 minutes. So hopefully we're, we're figuring things out now,
1: it looks like. Yeah, I got the new computer, so I had to get the audio figured out, but I think this will help me for work, too, so glad you were able to help me, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, so to begin things, I think we should talk about Kat's comments on Ant, because, I mean, personally, to me, I don't really think it's that big of a deal, because the question originally was, it wasn't like Kat brought it out and, like, was trying to personally comment Ant. The question was originally, like, How can you help Ant in the future? So it wasn't like he was trying to like talk shit about him, essentially. But if you didn't see the comments, it was basically just like he said, I know y'all think it's funny when we're up here when, when he's up here talking about Popeyes and all that shit. That doesn't make me happy to hear. But Kat's never been a guy who's thrown anyone under the bus. He's always been someone that takes the blame no matter what. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Uh, well, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm probably one of the biggest Ant fans in the world, so I might take I might have took it a little more personally than some. <laughs> um, I don't I don't think it was a huge deal, but also, I when listening to the question, I don't think I mean I just don't remember Ant bringing up Popeyes. That was like what his rookie year when that was like a thing. Um, I know he said he gave up fried foods and all that. Uh, I mean I I don't know what's going on in the locker room. Maybe he's still eating Popeyes in there and all that. But as far as What Kat said, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, But with all the outside noise, you know, Kat's kind of a fragile ego guy. I think that it could become a thing down the line if we keep losing. But as we know, uh, winning kind of solves everything. And, uh, yeah, we'll
0: see. Yeah, I I don't think it's anything to be – he tweeted today, obviously, saying that, like, we don't hear any of the outside noise. I think it was more just – I think it's just like, he's definitely hearing it. If he's tweeting it, but
1: yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I just hope Ant doesn't take it the wrong way. Cause I mean, I, I, knowing Cat, he he just he just says things sometimes. I mean, and I think because people don't like Cat, like especially the outside media, I think that everything he says is always gonna be taken
0: in a bad light.
1: And I mean, say that that was Donovan Mitchell that said that playing with Gobert, it might have been brought into that light because of the tension they had. But if you had, like, a Devin Booker and Chris Paul saying that, I don't think it would be a thing at all. So, no, I think Cass, sure. Cass is not liked around the league, outside of us Timberwolves fans, from what I see.
0: Yeah, and like like I said, he's never been a guy. Like, if you look back at, like, what was it, the 2018 season or whatever it was, I don't remember. When it was, like, Jake Lehman, Josh Okogie. Yep. Uh, man, I'm blanking on the other guy. Can't remember his name. It doesn't really matter. But, like, he was, like passing to them and they, like, they wouldn't make any shots. He's like, it's on me, but it's like, it's just like, it's always been Cat's nature to be like, yeah, it's on me. Um, so we'll see about that. I don't really have any concerns. Are you concerned at all with the slow start with the team chemistry? There's been a lot of ISO. Uh, I'm,
1: I'm a little bit concerned. I mean, like I said, it's only four games, but just watching how they play, um i mean it's just kind of concerning me that the best unit that we saw was that five man unit with prince uh j mac noel and-, and Nas. i mean throughout four games i just kind of it kind of shocks me that that's the best unit we've had like throughout any any you know any stints that any group has had together but um i i just think part of it's on d i think he, he always kind of starts off kind of slow trying to figure out how he's gonna distribute the ball um I think Finch has really been emphasizing him um forcing the two big thing kind of trying to experiment different sets and ways to run that uh and Ant's kind of just been standing in the corner to start a lot of games um one thing that I think a lot of people they always get mad say, oh they need to give Ant the ball but Ant also he's he's really stationary he doesn't move without the ball and I don't know if that's something Finch wants him to do but you watch it you watch any other good wings in the league and like I mean, Jalen Brown and Tatum are really good at this, playing off each other, always moving, looking for the ball, you know, Steph and Clay, And I think Ann just needs to learn how to move without the ball to get it because sometimes it looks like D'Lo's not looking for him, but if you're just going to stand in one spot, that's not always a good pass
0: to make. No, for sure. And I I think I – maybe I talked about it with Michael that I had on last week or two weeks ago whatever it was. Like, Jaden McDaniels moves and gets – he finds the ball. Like, he cuts all the time. And when it's like, and I I know I talked about with Michael about how do you get Ant involved? Because when he's not involved, it's almost just like he's off in the corner. He's off in the distance. He's not really looking to get the ball necessarily. He's more just like, it's almost like a certain like possession. He knows when he's going to get the ball. And if that's his possession, then he's going to do the ISO. He's going to shoot. He's not necessarily looking to play make. He's not necessarily looking to cut. To find easy baskets, it's just like, well, this is not my possession. I'm gonna set this one out.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I really like Jaden. Like you said, I, I think that's a good example of Ant to watch. Jaden and D'Lo have always kind of had a a little backdoor cut thing that they just kind of see, have eyes in the back of their head for that play. And I think Ant could do the same thing. He just, he really doesn't move it off the ball, and, I, and this year is really starting to stand out with the two bigs standing in the paint. It just, it really stands out. You see Jaden moving around, you see Cat and Go Bear moving around in the paint, and Ant's just glued to the corner and that was a big thing in that overtime game in Utah too People, I was I was kind of mad that Ant didn't get the ball but then I watched it back and I'm like he literally just stood there and didn't look for yeah. it and yeah it that's was, the thing it's frustrating
0: because yeah. it's like yeah like Ant should be getting the ball because we saw what he did in the the OKC game with the, the game they won when the bench unit kind of went off with Jordan McLaughlin, TP, Jalen Noel, etc it was like he was just prioritizing getting the ball, but on the other possessions, like if he prioritizes getting the ball, he's going to be, there's not many people who's going to stop him. Yeah, no. And I think, I think another little thing Fins could do is. All right. For some reason, the recording just randomly ended on us. So we're going to pick things up talking about D'Angelo Russell, since I feel like we really hit on the Anthony Edwards portion of it. For me personally, I do think that D'Angelo Russell has looked good. I think he's had his moments for not even, like, moments. Like, I mean, obviously, he had the one game where he scored, what is it, six points? He only shot five shots, but he was getting other people the ball. He, in the other three games, he scored over 20 points, and obviously scoring isn't the end-all, be-all of, like, whether or not you made an impact. You can look at Jordan McLaughlin's 0.9 in OKC, but he was a plus 23. But D'Angelo Russell is like, he's shooting efficiently. He's getting other people the ball. I think this is the best we might have seen him. But it's, I mean, it's such a small sample size. So I don't know like 100% if this is actually the case. Yeah.
1: Now I think, I think like shooting wise and just efficiency wise, probably the best we've ever seen him. Um, Passing wise, I think that sometimes he's too reliant on, he's so used to always giving it to Cat. I think sometimes. He can look to give it to Jaden because to me it seems like he only gives it to Jaden when he's cutting or for a, he never really gives it to him like to create his own shot. And I think Jaden, he's only done it a few times, but he's shown us he can get he can get into the paint and shoot a nice little ten foot mid range shot.
0: Yeah. Hit hit
1: it a pretty high mark. Um, and we were, we were just talking about Ant just not moving off the ball. And I think sometimes even though it probably is frustrating to him that Ant's standing there stationary, he could still just give him the ball and maybe set him a little pick, get things flowing a little bit. Because I think part of that, that's the reason he likes playing with J-Mac. Because it's almost like the, the way that D-Lo and Cat have that I thing. I think J-Mac is really relying on getting into Ant. Because yeah. when you have Nas in the game, he's not a guy you really want to post up necessarily. He's a guy no, you want to get like on the move. Role guy. But, I mean, like I said, I like the way D-Lo is starting. I th- and like I said, it's a new group. He's trying to get the feel of things. But I think once we, he kind of realizes strengths and weaknesses of Rudy a little bit more and gets the chemistry going, it'll be fine. It's, it's, it's just knowing when to give people the ball. The only, I think the only gripe I have, and like I said, part of this is on Ant as well, uh, is it, D'Lo being a point guard. It's his job no, to know, like, who's hot, who needs the ball, what's going on. And I think at, in that overtime in, in Utah, you kind of see Cat was forcing the issue. And with the way Ant ended the fourth quarter, and, the third, like, he had 30 points going into overtime, regardless if he's moving or not, tell him to come get the ball. I mean, that that's just me. Like I said, I'm a big Ant fan, and I might be some kind no, of no, biased with it. I, I think
0: you're i think you're hitting it right with that and should be more because watching the preseason and i like like i said i talked about it with michael on the podcast my one of my biggest concerns was how do you get him involved and like how do you get ant involved because it, like the wolves are really forcing things with rudy gobert man <laughs> and i mean it's he's it's fine he's like an efficient shooter but if you're going to go to a guy and Cat and is still finding his rhythm. And I think he's starting to maybe figure it out. We saw a lot yeah. more of it last night. And I think I'm not worried about him offensively. He's going to fit. Like he hasn't played. He's going to figure it out. He's one of the best offensive scorers in the game for a reason. Like if you're going to force some, like a center to have the ball, it's going to be Kat. Yeah, man. I don't know. It, it just feels like they're trying too hard to get Rudy touches.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that, that was something I, I tweeted on Twitter. I was like, People were saying like, what happened? How did Minnesota lose to Utah? And I just kinda said it was kind of, to me, it was like I was like it's a rare Chris Fence early. Instead of trying to win the game, it seemed like he was trying to force the too big thing in overtime. And yeah. And, that, and I think I've seen Fence do that a couple times throughout, but usually it doesn't lose a game. Usually in crust time he's all about winning. But I feel like he's still kinda trying to force and and I get it, but these games right here, like these two games right here, losing to Utah and San Antonio, down at the end of the season, that could be a difference between us being Five to four, playing the six or five fifth seed. I mean, it's just. I hope it doesn't come back to bite us. But the, the one yesterday, that one it was just a bad blowout, black game all around. But the Utah game, I feel like if we had just kind of ran, like the, going with the flow of the game and the feel of how things were going, instead of forcing the Rudy Cat thing, it probably would have been better. And Cat Cat has also forced, I probably say four or five passes to Rudy. I mean, the, the alley oops look nice when they work, but he's threw some ugly ones and. The pass that – I think this was a big point in the game yesterday when Cat had the – he had the ball right at the free throw line and mm-hmm. Ant was right yeah. there to get it and he forced that outlet pad to, to Rudy. I yeah.
0: There's just like too much of like – they look like a bunch of guys who obviously they haven't played with. It looks like you're – like if you play like pickup and you're playing with a bunch of new guys, you're almost just like how can I get others involved so I don't look like I'm – yeah, yeah, like just Absolutely. like that, the ball, like ball hog, like on the team. It's like they're just trying to figure out ways to like not show them. Like, like, last year, I feel like they weren't afraid to like take shots, like, they knew. I can't remember, it's been so long, but was I, I believe it, I'm like 99% sure. Wasn't the the players meeting with Pepev like when he like talked to everyone, like, what is your role? Yeah,
1: yeah, that was a big thing. And it's a, like this, they're point. still trying
0: to figure out, like, the pecking order almost. It's like they're still just trying to give all this ball when it should just clearly be. Danton, Cat are your primary offensive scorers. Rudy will clean things up. You can run pick-and-roll action with them with D'Lo. And D'Lo is kind of your third option.
1: Yeah, and Jaden's just kind of a cutter or just get his points when he can, but you're probably not going to run much for him. Uh, but I think – and this is one thing that I think – I mean, I've felt this way since beginning of last season, and I might. Admit, some people think I thought this too early, people I've talked to on Twitter, but I feel like the sooner we make Antar 1A, the better, because I feel like he, he feels like he's that guy, but I feel like Cat, I mean, the way D'Lo sees it, and honestly, it seems like the way the team sees it, I think they look at Cat as the 1A option, and I and I can see game to game it fluctuates, but I mean, when you when you get to overtime and you force it to Cat like five possessions in a row, I just kind of get the sense that's what D'Lo sees it as and is the point guard. If Unless you're the point guard, is your 1A guy, the point guard is going to decide who gets the ball and I just feel like we need – it's a it's a guard league still. And, I mean, Cat's amazing to have. him mean, put him with Steph Curry or even like Dame or something. It would be incredible. But I think we need to get Ant to become our 1A. And I think his decision-making isn't really going to improve that great much until we finally get him comfortable in that role. Because if you look at the, like you said, he, it feels like he only gets the ball when it feels like it's his possession and his play to make. And a lot of the passes he makes, I mean, they end up getting through, but he'll, like, be caught in the air and just throw it out to a guy that's open because, you know, the claps are now, obviously. but Yeah. I just want him to get comfortable because I've heard, like, uh, I've heard uh, Do- Doogie Wolfson and, like, I score no th- those guys, like, they talk about maybe making him like a Luka. And I, I don't think he'd be oh. a Luka per se, but I can see him more like a Jason Tatum. Who he runs points sometimes. They don't really have a true point guard, so it's a different situation. But I just think yeah. certain points in the game, you run it through Ant, regardless of who's in the game. But like, and that's what, I think that's what we're talking about before it cut off. Like, off of every rebound or every inbound pass, D'Lo always brings out the court, pretty much 96 percent of the time, even with Ant in the game. And I don't think we need to make that like a a role where one guy does it. I mean, who cares who brings it out the court?
0: You just got to get okay. the offense going. Not for sure. And that's the kind of, like, there's a reason the Nuggets or the Sixers haven't won. Like, yeah. like Jokic and Embiid are – you can make the case that they're the two best players. It's still Giannis and Luka, but you could make the argument if you really wanted to. But there's a reason, like, guards are the reason teams win rings. Like, no. making and the priority to be the 1A is going to be, like, your. It's going to be your long-term like success plan, because you look yeah. at Devin Booker. He like Chris Paul brings the ball most of the time, but Devin Booker is also your other guy. Like Donovan Mitchell is the it's the other example in Utah. Like the teams, like you said, Jason Tatum. There's all these teams don't really necessarily the elite teams don't necessarily use their point guard to bring the ball up. They have it kind of being their star player, like your Jason Tatum, Booker, Mitchell, mm-hmm. et cetera
1: it's almost like a high school mindset. Like, you know, when you're younger, you have your point yeah. guard, he's your guy. And, and even last year it was like that. And it's kind of weird because it's not like Ant, because even like Wiggins, you know, he's the guy who was our scorer back in the day, but he, his handle wasn't that great. He had a pretty loose handle. I think it's gotten a little bit better, but yeah. Ant has a really good handle. Like he, he doesn't get ripped very often. And it's like, there's no concerns with him bringing the ball to court, maybe trying to attack and get a shooter the ball, like in
0: transition. And, it's like only
1: if he gets the rebound is he the one t- to bring the ball out the court.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like, that's one concern I have with that. Just eventually they will have to lean more into that. And D- and Dilo's been good to start the season, but that's something that will need a change. The bench scoring is the other kind of point I want to hit on. I mean, it's it's a very small sample size, but 20th in the league in scoring, they're averaging 31 and a half a game. Really, just feels like the 31 and a half is just Jalen Noel.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's really
0: nothing helping from the other people, but I don't know. It's it's almost like something like they need another guy.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think I saw something on Twitter about uh, Jalen Noel's usage and his turnovers, and it, it was like something crazy. And they said it was because Jalen Noel, like when he gets the ball, he doesn't he doesn't pass the ball, so he hasn't had a chance for turnovers. So it's like. And, and like he's really good. Like he's he's great at attacking the rim. He most of his shots are pretty good, even when it feels like he forces it. But I mean, last year our bench was our strength. Like they they won like pretty much every match. I mean, that's one of us games our our bench would usually outscore other teams' benches. They would run it up, and instead of holding the lead or losing it, they would build on it, and the starters would come back into like a five six point lead bigger than what they started with. And yeah, I feel like Torian Prince. I mean, I think he's he scored a little bit, but usually the spot up shots. But it seems like he's usually only getting his stuff from McLaughlin. Like, when Noel's in the game, yeah. even Torian Prince isn't really doing – because the first game, he was really big. Torian Prince hit, like, what, four threes against the Thunder?
0: Yeah, he was, like – I think it was three. And he, like, hit, like, three. Yeah. He had, like, 11 points going to half or whatever it was.
1: Yeah, he – because, like, I remember the Thunder started that comeback and stuff, and he kind of gave us a little bit more of a cushion. And, yeah, it's, I mean, we got we got good players. I mean, Nas – I mean, Nas, it looks like Nas is starting to become part of the rotation maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I think – I just don't know how, because I know he really wants to keep cat or Gobert on the floor, all game, one of them at least. But it's right now it's not working, especially with the foul trouble and things. Right now they've been getting into like I think what Cat Rudy had what three fouls pretty early yeah. last game. And
0: yeah, that's I, I would it. like to
1: see Nas be part of the rotation, even though like eight to ten minutes a night. I think he he brings something that we can use.
0: And he started the OKC game off really poorly. I think he had, like, three fouls right away the game that yep. he won. But then right after that, it was like he was such a huge piece in the reason that they got up and got up to, like, was a 20-point lead or whatever. And with Kyle Anderson for out for who knows how long, I get that if you want to just do, like, the Cat cat Anderson uh, Rudy TP type of thing. But with Kyle Anderson out, why would you not use Nasri? They're not really use, utilizing him. Like, he was their... You could probably say he was their best preseason player. Yeah, he played like, great. Yeah, so it's like, why would you not almost lean into it if he's he's going to give you energy? He's the he's that energy guy, and so like, Torian Prince has he feels like he has one really good half, and then he's just not noticeable at all in the second, or vice versa.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I almost feel like it almost felt like he didn't play. A lot of the second half, I think. I, th- I think that does happen a lot, where he'll play his first stint, and then depending on the game, he might not even get back in. If he does, it's a pretty small stint. But I, th- yeah. I think Torian Prince, he always, whenever he goes in the game, I don't think he ever hurts us really. He always, he's a good stabilizing force with those guys, and I, I trust him. I mean, I trust him pro- probably more anybody on our bench to hit an open three. I probably trust him more Jalen Noel because his some of his, like I said, some of his shots are questionable. He makes them, but Torian I'm a big Prince on
0: Jalen all day long, but.
1: Yeah, that's my – I love Jalen Well, but –
0: Yeah, he's so much fun to watch, just the Lindgren. I honestly think that, like, it doesn't matter the player. Jalen Noel would have to be, like, top 30. Like, just if you're going to be playing, like, street ball. He has such a street ball
1: style. You look at at a guy like Tyler Harrell or Jordan Clarkson. Are they really that much better than Jalen Noel? I guess Harrell, but, I mean, if you gave him that role to do that,
0: yeah.
1: I think yeah. he could put the same numbers, maybe not quite as efficiently. But, I mean, I, honestly, I, if, if I had to take him right now, not even based on contract, I'd probably take Jalen Noel well or Jordan Clarkson. I just feel like – I mean, he was yeah. a big part of why we lost, but he's yeah, never had that tough. role. Jordan Clarkson has always had a primetime role on his team. Jalen Noel, well, I mean, he's averaging, what, 15 points a game? At least before last night, averaging like 15 yeah. and 20 minutes a game.
0: Yeah, it's tough because I mean, – I do think that Jalen Noel has more of an offensive bag. It's just like Jordan Clarkson. He'll give you – you could easily drop 30 whenever he feels like it. Where I think Jalen Noel has that, but I don't think he has it to that extent. But it's tough. Yeah, offensive scoring off the bench is going to be something that the Wolves will have to work on because it does feel like they're relying on their starters way too much to start out.
1: Yeah, and I think missing Kyle Anderson is a big part of that. Yeah. But we shouldn't be losing to the – we should never at any point be down to the Spurs by 35 points. I don't care if Ant missed the game. We should still win with Cat and Gobert and
0: that in my opinion. Uh, but, yeah. Um, if you're losing that much by a Kelvin Johnson and Jakob Pirtle, it's like – I know that Greg Popovich is Greg Popovich, but, I mean, like, you look at their team and, like, even I feel like a real like a huge NBA fan couldn't name you half their roster. Yeah.
1: I think part of it, too, and I think teams are noticing this, I think pushing the pace with us is our transition defense is.
0: You know?
1: Yeah. And it cool. doesn't matter who's who's the guy pushing it. It could be some random two-way guy pushing up the court. Our, it's like our guys just don't look for that. Everybody watches the ball, it seems like. Nobody finds their man. And that's stuff you learn in grade school basketball, like middle school. Yeah, yeah I don't know what they're doing. And, and I've noticed it with Cat a lot. He'll fall down and come back slower. He'll miss it. He just jogs back and I think that kind of messes things up, but I think I've, – I've noticed with Gobert a couple times, too. I know he's supposed to defend the paint, but in transition, you can step up if there's nobody there. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I've seen Gobert, and maybe it's – like I said, maybe it's because he, this is why he's so great the way he does. He knows when to just let it go so he doesn't get a dumb foul, but it's like there's no resistance, and I'd rather you foul that guy and just get a wide-open floater time after time after time. Yeah. I, we we need to figure that out our transition defense really shouldn't be that hard. I mean and we're not pushing it. Last year we were, we were one of the fastest teams in the league and
0: yeah, just because you got Gobert
1: doesn't mean you can't push it.
0: I yeah, we got enough like athletes on the floor to be able to push the ball. Yeah, I mean
1: if you push it and you have a bad shot and they come back you got to go bear right there to meet the next guy at the rim. I mean, I don't really see a loss. I, I mean, I trust Finns to figure it out, but to yeah. me the Utah game was kind of just them hitting crazy shots. I mean, we probably should have won that game. Beasley. Yeah, really I,
0: big. yeah I don't see Utah scorching hot from three yeah. or whatever every single night. Like,
1: exactly. And San Antonio, I mean, it was just pushing the pace. And also, the other thing that's really been killing us, We it seems like half the shots teams
0: take are just wide open from three. Yeah. It's wide open threes. And I don't know how much of that equates to, like, the Cat-Gilbert pairing. I don't really feel like Cat is that bad of a perimeter defender. They're just never, there's just never a guy on the perimeter. I feel like Cat's always shown that he can be a perimeter defender. What was it, like, two or three years ago when it was, like, we are talking about, like, Cat inside the paint, bad defender. Cat, like, guarding, like, on the perimeter is like was way better.
1: Yeah, I remember back in college, there was, like, one time he was one-on Curry, like, twice in one game, and he just locked him down, but... I think part of it too, but Cat, is he's good when he's like, say, a like guy comes down the court, and he steps up, and he's there. But when it's like moving laterally and getting to a guy closing out, that's when he gets. I mean, I one, I know you saw a clip on Twitter when it was like, Cat, the perimeter defender, and this. Oh coach. yeah,
0: yeah, that was. I've noticed
1: that he is pretty bad when it comes to closing out when they move the ball. He he's pretty clumsy moving side to side, but I think he'll be all right.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not concerned about that at all. Like, the only thing is like. The real thing is maybe just finding a point of attack defender. That's kind of.
1: Yeah, I think at the trade deadline, getting like another perimeter guy or something would be.
0: Yeah, and you would think that Jaden McDaniels and Ank can be that guy, and I think that they will be. It's just so tough to. Like Vanda was that guy, and like now he's not like there, so you don't have that. And yeah. I know I saw some other people tossing around on. Twitter and he was kind of like they kind of just got to before I did it because I was kind of curious why Matisse Thiebel hasn't been playing for Philly and he would almost be just like a perfect like player for the Timberwolves right now because he's not good offensively and like that doesn't really help the bench scoring or whatever but he is that whatever he is 6'8 6'9 or whatever I don't know but he's one of the better defenders in the league
1: yeah and with the with the whistle mcdaniel's been getting getting in foul trouble kind of early he got you put in i'd say yeah. two of those fouls yesterday though they were bs real soft on mcdaniel's <laughs> he gets a really tough whistle but it's like when you lose him and you put in like toy and prince i love him but he's not mcdaniel's yeah and it kind of like, destroys like the whole defense when you lose McDaniel.
0: yeah tp is he's pretty he's fine defensive i don't he's not great but he's not bad i think he's a good defender he takes a lot of charges and I respect that out of him, but it's not McDaniel. So, like, you do need another defender coming in. Kyle Anderson is that guy, but he's not playing, so. Yeah.
1: But it's like I McDaniels mean, usually guarding the best player on the other yeah. team. And if he goes out, you got to put an ant on him. You can't put Prince on the best player. He's, no. a, he's a good – but you can't guard, like – I wouldn't even want him to guard probably Devin Vassell, like how he was yesterday. <laughs> but I saw okay. a guy on Twitter say that – uh he thinks Devin Vassell will be a better player than Ant long-term.
0: Nah, that's... Was the, you
1: know the stat muse pages?
0: Oh, yeah. The Spurs
1: muse page. Was it like the were...
0: hater muse or something like that? Yeah.
1: But it was like they have a Spurs muse one. They were clowning Ant. And then some guy said, this might be a hot take, but I truly believe Devin Sel would be better than Ant. And like a whole bunch of people agreed with like, him. Twitter
0: is incredible. It's... Yeah, you can find a lot of idiots on there. Uh, rebounding-wise... The Timberwolves are number one in rebounds per game. They're one in defensive rebounds. They're six in offensive rebounds. And despite them being number one, it doesn't really feel like they're a good rebounding team.
1: No, it feels like Gobert is a good rebounder.
0: Yeah, it, it really just feels like the addition of Gobert was good in the sense that, but it almost feels like it wasn't a good addition because it's like, oh, we have Rudy Gobert. He'll grab the rebound like no one else is even trying for it. So, it really feels like, yeah, we might be number one, but, like, 50% of that is Rudy Gobert. And the other part of it is, like, the other teams are grabbing the hustle rebounds, the ones that, like, you have to put effort into grabbing, and those are, like, the ones that decide a game. And they're not grabbing it.
1: I mean, the one guy who stands out to me that's really really bad rebounding-wise is Delo. He seems like even on TV, I don't even see him in the picture. I I mean, the Ant had those 11 rebounds against... OKC. Okay, but overall, I don't think he's been great either. Besides that, I think a lot of it too is we just give up so many shots a game. Just <laughs> it seems the like other teams are definitely taking probably 10, 15 more shots a game than us. So there's more rebound opportunities, but our guards need to rebound better. Um, and Cat also, I don't, I, don't, I can't remember Cat's stats, but
0: his rebounding was having not been good. Besides, yeah. besides last time against the Spurs, where he had a yeah. lot of fun,
1: and that was just like I said, that was just a lot of shots. Yeah. Went up and missing too. Yeah. yeah I'm,
0: I think... not, I'm not worried about Cats' rebounding numbers. Yeah, I don't... no, he'd
1: be all right. But our guards need to. I mean, I think that was the thing last. I think Pat Bev was good, but even Ant kind of wasn't. That... That's one thing he could could get better with. And also, McDaniels, for how big he is, you think he gets you eight or nine a game, or at least seven. And I
0: think he rebounded well good. the first game. I thought he, like, really like out rebounded his, like, uh, matchup. But since then, he really hasn't been rebounded and yeah.
1: I mean, if I look at, it, I just see go bearing in the paint, and then it's like a little bit over his hand, and there's a another player's guard there, and our yeah. guys. I mean, it's just boxing. It's it's really not nothing you can coach, it's if you want to or not.
0: And... Yeah, it's, it's literally just like if you want the ball, then you're gonna get it. If you don't really have that like fight for a rebound, you're not gonna get it. It's not really something you practice. It's just like, can you box out?
1: I mean, we got the guys to do yeah. it. if They want to. Like I, I just have Pat Bev right now because he would he wouldn't be doing this live right now. Yeah. I don't know who's going to be the guy that, because they say Austin Rivers, but it's, I, I, I saw somebody saying, uh, like, why would you listen to a guy that doesn't play? Yeah. Doesn't have no started, and, you know, you take him serious. I mean, Austin Rivers, he's been in the league a long time, but nobody really, who thinks, like, oh, yeah, that's Austin Rivers. Like,
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think Austin Rivers will be a good leader. It's just like, who is going to be the guy that steps up and kind yeah. of is their vocal leader? Because, I mean, I have been a cat, like, you know, like, I will back him, but he, I think he knows it and everyone knows it. He's not really a leader, which is fine. Not every, it's, there's not many people that are like your leader. And like, is it going to be Ant? Probably one day. Not right yeah, now. Think,
1: yeah, but yeah, he's what, 21?
0: Yeah, so it's like, it's, it's going to almost fall in the hands of Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert. I think, I think
1: Torian Prince could be that guy.
0: Yeah, I know. I think actually, I, I think he point. might be the
1: one. I think, I think he is. A, but yeah, Bryn Forbes too, man. We we need we need to get him going. He'd be helpful. But uh, yeah. I saw one. It was one shot yesterday. He he pump faked and took a mid range. It's like you're only here to shoot threes. You should never do anything but take a three unless you have like a wild. That's just how I look at it. I know Fence hates mid range shots. So. Yeah. You're, you're literally only in the NBA because you can shoot threes. And he missed it, too, and I think resulted in a fast break point for the Spurs as well. So, I don't
0: know. Yeah, he's not shooting the ball well, which is – I'm not worried about his three-point shooting. Like I feel like I keep saying I'm not worried, but I'm not worried about the long-term, like, this team. But, yeah. yeah.
1: No, I think we'll be fine. I'm just worried about losing a lot of games early and having to make it up like how we did last year. Because we if we started out just 500 last year, we wouldn't have been in the plan. Yeah, because we started four and nine that we, I mean, we played great, but we still couldn't get into the top six. And... So I just want us to, if we could just, I mean, I was looking at the schedule the other, like before the game yesterday. I'm like, we could just be five and two, so if we can just win against the Spurs and the Lakers and Spurs again. I'll still feel okay. But if we drop another one, losing three of the first six, I I, I wouldn't have saw that coming. Yeah, I, I, at least I are gonna win five. I mean, not not uh, three of the first seven.
0: Yeah, and I think I think it's important to know like if you just look around the NBA, there's a lot of teams that are struggling. Like you can look at I mean Dallas, they lost today to New Orleans. Yeah,
1: Phillies what one and one three. 9 they won last night, right?
0: Yeah, they're one and three right now, though. Yeah. Uh yeah, one and so three is
1: probably the biggest example.
0: Yeah, like in Miami's one and three, Phillies one and three. Like there's like bad teams at the top of the comp like Washington is three and one right now charlotte's two and one new york is in the like the middle of it portland and like san antonio are leading the western conference denver's two and two dallas is one and three like there's a lot of like good teams are off this slow start so and it's not like these teams are playing like good teams too like there's a reason these bad teams are ahead it's because they're beating up on all the good teams so like it sucks that we're watching the wolves lose two to like two lesser teams but so is philadelphia so is all these other teams the Los Angeles Clippers are – I think they're losing. I didn't – they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder, 108-94. Paul George and quiet in play, but you're still – there's a lot of good players on the Clippers. Yeah, they still
1: a better team than them without those guys. That's a good you, team.
0: Yeah, and you lose – and you don't even put up 100 points and you lose by 14. So it's like these teams are like – the good teams are almost just taking them for granted. and It's like the Wolves have done it too. So we might be 2-2, two two, but just look around the league. Yeah.
1: I just think the concern with us is like you look at Kawhi, they have a track record like of success. We have one year, and we and honestly, besides Rudy Gobert, nobody on our team has really been like a big player on a winning team. So I think part of that is that, and also because we gave up five first round picks and five players for Gobert, yeah. people are just gonna. And we're That's
0: Minnesota. Everybody all, hates yeah. Hate,
1: yeah, everybody hate loves to hate on Minnesota. So yeah, but I just think it's the track record. We don't really have like a guy like Kawhi who's won. Couple rings and been in the league for ten plus years. But, yeah, yeah, like you said, I, I, I'm not worried long term. I just don't want to dig a hole because, I, like I said, I'm glad the other teams are losing too. But that's also time we could have gained a game or two lead on these teams. Which doesn't sound like it matters now, but in the end of the season, I, just, I don't want to be in the playing. I love, that was a great game, but I don't want to be in the playing again.
0: Yeah, I don't want to be having just like another like heart attack watching the game. It's like. Yeah. Just let me relax at least for, like, a couple more games before the playoffs start.
1: Exactly. You know who's playing good, though? uh, Memphis. Yeah. Without Jaron Jackson. I mean, they always do, but I kind of thought they might drop a couple. They've been looking really good. Yeah, I had The rookies are playing.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, they look good, and I think I had them, like, in the plan because it was like, you lost your best defensive player. How are you going to be able to stop some of these other teams Yeah, I, I think for
1: me, it. I was a big jaw fan until our series with them. Kind of yeah. made me not like him.
0: Yeah, I hate him too. I used to love him.
1: it to another level now. He's, I mean, he's averaging, what, 37 a game right now. Yeah. He's yeah. playing better than people comparing to young D. Rose. Uh, even young D. Rose, I don't think was putting up them type of numbers to start off a season. I mean, but, man, they're they, they really good at drafting, man. Dave, I think David Roddy's going to be real good. And that LaRavia guy, I was just watching the game. He's just a good role player, so they are becoming, right
0: becoming that team where, like, you watch – it's, like, the Patriots or, like, whatever. Like, there's so many teams that just draft a random guy you've never heard of, and you're, like, that's a good pick. Because, like, you just know that they found something that – like, when I, they drafted, like, LaRavia, I was, like, there's so many other guys on the board. like why I would was
1: looking to... who, who, why would you – yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, like – but it's going to work out for them. They always find a way to, like – what was it – uh was like a year or two ago. Um I'm trying to I'm blanking on the name. I'm gonna pull him up. But it was like they really uh reached for him in the draft. Uh Zaire Williams. Yeah, they he yeah, 10. he was
1: he was good against us in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and he went ten and everyone like I remember that draft and it was like, why did he go ten? Like that was a huge stretch. And like he looks good. They're a good team of drafting.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just I just noticed like they're playing their rookies off bat and I mean Nothing against Wendell Moore, but even what I saw from him, summer league and preseason, yeah. even in the couple seconds he got in at against OKC, he just doesn't look ready. And I just wonder what – I just feel like what it, it – and this is going to go into what we're gonna talk about in a little bit, but it's like even with the Vikings, like why can't our rookies play right away and all these other teams just put them in and they play great?
0: Yeah, it's tough to watch. It.
1: But I was just – yeah, Memphis, I don't know. I, I, I thought they are going to be bad this year, but, man, they look good.
0: I'm hoping they fall off. I don't want to. Oh yeah, for they sure. And they, plus, without
1: Jer- when they get Jaron Jackson back,
0: yeah.
1: At least we got Gobert for him now, though.
0: Yeah, no. I I say like I think I think Minnesota wins that series with Gobert.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. But they, but if job plays like this, like how, if this how is this what he's going to do all season? It's gonna be it's gonna be harder than last year.
0: He's just got to figure out how to not fall. Like he hits the ground way too much. He's gonna run into an injury like soon.
1: Yeah, no. I, I was at the. Um, I went to the game six where he got eliminated, too. Yeah. I, actually, I got, like, really good seats. I was 10th row, and I was just seeing it. And yeah, dude, he, he falls hard, man. Like, it looks like he gets hurt half the yeah, time. He was dealing with him.
0: an injury that in, in yeah. that series, too.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, I was just looking at him, like, and they and they still got Dylan Brooks. He still ain't playing either. He's been hurt. Like, it seems like they just got so many guys
0: that can yeah, just be hard on anybody's team. And, just a next man on mentality, basically. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Vikings. We kind of went over there, but I don't know. It's it was. I'd rather talk thirty minutes about the Timberwolves and fifteen about the Vikings. We're just doing a little preview. Yeah. Previews That's don't cool. really matter. Like it's. I'd rather recap than preview. Um. So, Vikings are entering Week Eight, five and one. They're they got a nice like whatever two or three game lead on the Packers. I mean, Cardinals are they're three and four. But they're still a scary 3-4 and four team. They've lost to the Chiefs, Rams, Eagles. And I don't know why I have Rams on there twice. I don't think they've played the Rams twice. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I don't know. Time. I must have, like, accidentally. They lost to the Seahawks. So, I don't know why I put Rams.
1: Twice. That's actually not bad because the Seahawks look real good this yeah.
0: year. So, their losses are against, like, good teams. It's, I mean, it's not like they're playing, like, ter- like they're not, they don't look good, but they don't look awful. Their wins are against the Raiders, the Panthers, and the Saints. So, like, they're losing the games they should lose, and they're winning the games they should win. Uh, it's tough because now you're getting a Arizona Cardinals team who now has DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. First game back, he had 10 receptions, 103 yards, and they put up 42 points. And their offense looked a lot better a lot more different, obviously. When you add one of the best wide receivers in the game, your offense is going to look a lot better.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad they – at least they don't have Hollywood Brown, too. Yeah. But they got Robbie Anderson now with another week. This will be a second game there. He's really fast, and that's our, probably our biggest weakness.
0: Our corners aren't fast. Yeah, but they do a good thing. job of, like, preventing, I guess, a home run ball, I guess. Yeah. I don't remember – I don't really – I don't think I can recall even, like, a deep ball that given up. No, I
1: mean, the Chris and Watson, but he, good thing he didn't catch.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they had, like the first play game or whatever. But, yeah, but I, I guess that's the
1: whole point of defense that we hate to watch, yeah. but it doesn't it's give like, a It big sucks play.
0: to watch them march down the field and have so much success, but they are doing a good job of like once they get to a certain point, it's like, all right, like they stop them. They did a good job against the Doll. It just, the, if the big play is going to happen, it's like a 10 yard catch, and then they have a lot of yards after the catch.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, honestly, we got lucky against Miami. If Waddle didn't
0: fumble, we probably have lost that game the way it was going. But yeah, it feels weird that like they're, we're five and one, but a lot of it's luck. Like, when will it dry up? Yeah.
1: I mean, the good thing is we we built that cushion, and the Packers keep giving us a bigger one. And also, I mean, Washington is going to be playing Taylor Hanegy now when we play him. and then the Colts just bench Matt Ryan, which honestly, that might actually be good for them. I think I would rather play Matt Ryan than the rookie who can run, uh, Ellinger. Yeah. Because he can run a little bit, which is our weakness. And Matt Ryan is a statue, which those are the quarterbacks we always do best against. So Yeah,
0: that's one of my favorite things. (laughs) As far (laughs) as the
1: Cardinals, Kyler Murray, I remember last year, that game was the one where Greg Joseph missed the field goal. Yeah. It sucked. But honestly, without Hopkins, I think I wouldn't really be worried. But with Hopkins, which is going to open up, I think that might open up maybe them be able to get a couple deep passes to Anderson. And they still got Rondell Moore, too, who's really fast. Yeah. Magic player.
0: You just hit on, like, half my nose where I, like, first note was literally just, like, Minnesota struggled against mobile quarterbacks. And, like, Kyle Murray is so good at finding ways to get out of it, like, out of a bad play with his feet. Sometimes it comes back to bite him in the ass where it'll be, like, third and 23 or they have just a lot of third and longs. But he just – Minnesota can't stop mobile quarterbacks. If you just look at all the games – the ones that the, that the Vikings play against. I mean, the one we lost to was Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and they made Justin Fields look really good. And it's because he can get out and, like, run. If they didn't get the block in the block in the back, like, Justin Fields had that 40, 50-yard run. Yeah, probably lost
1: that game. And honestly, it really wasn't a block in the back. It was a good flop. Just, yeah. That's what good you But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, and I, I'll say this. I really don't like Kyler
0: Murray. I don't like how he plays. <laughs> I like I like gambling on Kyle Murray, so I don't hate him.
1: Yeah. I mean, I always take the over in his games, probably.
0: But, yeah, uh, I like taking the over. I like I like taking his rushing yards; those are always fun.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know, I just I don't like him. I don't even, I don't think I like him as a person. Just the way <laughs> he. I don't know. I always had. I used to like him in college, but yeah, after that year where they started off really good. I think it was like two years ago. They were like start off like eight and one or seven. Yeah, games.
0: but he gets he's so get small excited. that he gets injured and then
1: I feel like he's like been carrying himself a little bit differently. And I even saw him yelling at his coach. I mean, I don't really care about their coach. I don't care if he's yelling at him, but it's like what have you done? He's a he he's a guy who I feel like he's he's a I mean, I think people are kinda of starting to realize it now. I mean, after they put that little thing in his contract where he has to study and all that, like they kinda of make fun of him now, he's a joke. But he was like one of those guys where you were, they were putting him almost up, up there with Lamar and stuff. I'm like, he's not, he's not that guy.
0: No, no. And with sure.
1: that DeAndre Hopkins, there's like, I think I saw something. He's at their average, like 10 less points per game in his career without him. And I mean, he's back now, but it's, it's just, I feel like if you can just, like I said, stop the deep, the, the deep passes, I think it'd be okay. Cause I think one of the worst, one of the biggest plays against them last time we played, I remember it was like, it was like a, Eight second scramble where Patrick Peterson had good coverage for a little bit, and then Rondell Moore just took off, and yeah, it's like a broken play. But if we can just not let those off script plays happen more than maybe once or twice, I think we'll be okay because those are his best plays—the ones that
0: aren't drawn up. Yeah, it's that's that is actually is, which is kind of weird, but the biggest I mean, it's, like it's the Raiders. Raiders. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly, like just like. The biggest thing is going to be containing them. It's like, what kind of game are you going to get from Daniel Hunter? He's starting to kind of pick it up. Obviously, Zadarius Smith has been their best, their best defender. I don't know if DJ Wanham is back. I assume he is. I hope
1: so. Yeah, the Patrick they, Jones look good for him. He's yeah. Really
0: so it's just like containing and like how do you? Their blitz packages looked a lot better uh, in that game against the Dolphins. I thought, and I don't know if that's a a. I don't know. If that's because they're playing against like Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson, where they're trying to like expound on like their whole like their defensive plays. Because against like Jalen Hurts and all these other like quarterbacks, you're not going to probably try out some of those plays. Yeah, I don't
1: want to. I don't want to blitz Kyler Murray much because if one guy misses,
0: the whole plays. Is... Yeah, so it's more about like just like can you contain them? It's like Let's put
1: a spy on them. And this is the thing I've kind of noticed. Jordan Hicks has been okay. His tackle numbers look good, but his coverage is really bad, and it seems like every time he gets to the quarterback, he can't ever finish. Uh, I think I like to see the rookie Asamoah at the spy. I mean, he's like the fastest linebacker we have, and I, I know they used it a couple times against Fields. It was like six plays he played, but yeah. I just think for Kyler Murray, you have got to have a spy on him—a a big part of the game. Probably yeah, more I, than you did with Fields, honestly, because even though Fields is fast, the way Chicago's offense is, it doesn't really give him many opportunities to scramble, because he's getting a sack before he can even reach the pocket.
0: Yeah, so. and, I, and I think I said against Philly? I can't remember. I think I said it maybe against Philly, where I said that Osamoa should maybe be the starter for that game, because of what you said. I like what Jordan Hicks has done, for the most part. I don't I think he's been one of the more stable players, personally. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word, stable. I don't know I just he's never he's never been like super like he's never been really great, he's never been really bad. I think he's been pretty just like
1: Yeah, he's an average. yeah, I mean, he's not gonna hurt you. He's not he's really good. He's a good gonna...
0: communicator, he's good just like he's getting tackles, he's good at stopping the run. Is but um that that is like the big part of it is like if you put an Asamoa, what is what would that look like contain wise? And he is fast, so it's like would that different look help?
1: I, but I do remember a couple of times he's he, he he misses a lot of tackles too. He's kind of a smaller linebacker. He's honestly built probably closer to Harrison Smith than a Jordan Hicks, the way he's built. So yeah, if he can I – mean, if he can just hit Kyler and then – because I've noticed with Kyler you're probably not going to take him down the first time, but usually if a guy hits him, he spins off, and you have a guy right there to finish him off, that's how you do it.
0: That's like – I feel like 90% of their third and longs. It's like he gets hit once and it's like, he, it's like a 10, 12 yard sack because he gets hit once and he's like, okay, let me try spinning out of it and he gets tackled.
1: But I, yeah, I've also noticed a couple times this season, and it's I don't know what he's thinking, but when he's running to the sideline, he could just throw it away, and this guy will like he could literally he has time to throw it away. He'll just step out of bounds two yards behind the line of scrimmage and just lose him just pointless okay. yards.
0: His decision making has been really
1: odd. Yeah. There was that game against uh, it was one they lost though. He he's he ended up. Uh, spiking it to cause four down. It was against, I think it was against the Seahawks, but like it was third down. And he, he spiked it. It was forcing him to kick the field goal from farther out when they had another play to get some more yards or at least stop the clock, like, without wasting it down. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just dumb things like that, which is why kind of goes back to what people say about his studying. And when you make mistakes like that, I mean, that's just something you should have learned a long time ago. So yeah. maybe we can get him in some mistakes. I think that's how we probably win the game.
0: No, I agree. That is like decision-making not as strong suit. Um, so containing him is going to be a huge part of it. The Cardinals are good at stopping the run. They're sixth in the league. They're only giving up 101 yards per game, but they're giving up 258 yards in the, in the air. They rank 25th. And I feel like I said, I feel like I say it every week where it's like, this team is really good at stopping the run try and run the ball. This team is really good at stopping the pass, lean more on Dalvin Cook. And that's the other way around. Like, where last week I said Miami's good at stopping the run, lean on passing. And they and Dalvin Cook didn't really have a good game until that.
1: Oh, yeah. And off of that run, I think he had, like, two yards of carry. So.
0: Yeah, and it's like, it's almost like they do the exact opposite. It's like, if the team's good at running, they do, like, they lean into the run. So, we'll see what kind of game this is, but they're on two different ends of the spectrum where six and there's six and the stop in the run, 25th and stop in the pass.
1: Yeah. I mean, could you even name a guy from the secondary? But I was looking. <laughs> no. <laughs> what, yeah. So yeah. I mean, they have JJ J. Watt who kind of, he's falling off. He's not the guy he used to be, but he's still JJ J. Watt. You got to watch him, especially his batted passes which has been a problem for Kirk in the past. Yeah. He still has the IQ and everything. Yeah, that. But yeah, I, I mean, watching them, one thing that stood out to me is they, they have some really fast linebackers. Uh what's the name?
0: Xavier Or not the
1: uh who's that linebacker they got? From Clemson. from Clemson.
0: Yeah, I'll but uh they yeah, always I feel like a, I think they always have like a really fast like linebacker group.
1: Yeah, they're really fast, but the thing is their linebackers they don't look very big. So I think if we can get to the second level, I can see Ingram and and Cleveland just moving some guys and maybe opening up some runs. Yeah. Um, I mean, if Bradbury can do what he needs to do, just kind of be solid, I can see us getting some good runs at the second level with our guards. Because, I mean, England's pass blocking has been pretty bad, but his run blocking is really good. So I, I can see it maybe – these linebackers aren't you know, aren't Bobby Wagner's. We could, yeah. we could probably get some some plays.
0: Yeah, I'm just, like, looking at it. Yeah, they have, it's uh, Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Yes, Isaiah
1: Simmons and is Xavier Collins is the other one. I yeah. Yeah, they, those guys are really – I mean, I remember Isaiah Simmons. He was like that hybrid guy, like they were going to use as a safety and a linebacker. He's, he's really fast, and he had a pick six that was pretty nice against Andy Dalton and them on Thursday, so. Yeah, I love that. You know, I watch out for that, but.
0: Ah, they think, do have Buda Baker.
1: I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah, he's – yeah. Well, the thing about Buda Baker, too, he's more of a run-stopper in safety, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was just like – I forgot. I was like, oh, yeah, Buda Baker. Uh, yeah, I
1: yeah, I don't know how I forgot about him. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a really good – he's probably top five safety in the league. Yeah, I mean, he's really good, but I I don't know if I can name a single defensive tackle or a DM besides JJ Watt on their team.
0: Uh-huh. They lost Daniel
1: Jones now, which is good because that
0: guy would give us problems. Yeah, and there's a I'm just looking at like their lineup on PFF. They have a guy who's I don't know. I I don't really pay attention that hard to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Marco Wilson is one of their corners.
1: Okay, I, I won't I won't lie. I do know his name. Was because yeah. I watched NFL Red Zone. And I oh, think okay. he's had like two pick sixes this season. So, oh, he does. I mean, again, yeah, he's he's. A, he's a, I think he's two. I think he's two. Did, okay. did you see that picture where um, Andy Dalton's like ducking his head and the guy was like flipping behind him?
0: That oh, was that the? Yeah, I guess they did have two pick sixes that
1: game. Yeah. Well, the, the guy that was flipping behind him in that funny
0: picture that was Wilson. So.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah. But he's so, like he, he's a. But I I can't say I watched him enough to know if he's, like, really that good or he just hasn't played.
0: He ranks 102nd out of 110 corners. Okay, so, yeah.
1: (laughs) All or nothing, it sounds like then.
0: Yeah, let's say, yeah, he's he's not really – run defense grade is at 26. Coverage grade is at 54.7. Yeah, yeah, so, (laughs) pass-wise, I think they got to lean in on that running. I mean, the run game hasn't really been that explosive as we've seen in the past. As far as
1: that run by Cook. Yeah. Because he long in the season, was about 15, 16 yards.
0: Yeah. So, and it's not like Madison has really stood out either. Yeah.
1: I wish Ty Chandler didn't get hurt because he looked really good. But I, I'd like to see Nawangu hasn't got a single carry this whole season, I don't think. I, w- I would have thought Mc, or like McVeigh uses a lot of guys just in little packages. And
0: yeah. Just
1: little gadget players. I would think Nwongu could get, like, some type of carry or just some type of jet sweep or something to get him. Because, I mean, last year he had two kick return touchdowns like his first two games he played for
0: us. I mean. Yeah, they got to utilize that more with just fast running. Putting
1: him and Rager like in a formation together. I mean, I just think of things you could do. I I thought O'Connell would do stuff like He hasn't really yet. I mean, that little thing with Rager where he.
0: I do want to see more of Jalen Rager because I think that he could be a weapon. and. There's still part of me that wants to see him as, like, a wide receiver package more.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we don't have a deep threat, and he's the fastest guy we have. Unless yeah. you want to put Dan Chacena <laughs> to run some defense.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I don't know. I want to see more Jalen Rager. And I know, like, because I don't think that what he's been in Philly is what he actually will be for throughout his career. I think there's more to him.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I just think putting him in the backfield and doing, because like, even with Jefferson, a lot of his best plays have been him, like, going in motion and, I think even using him to help Jefferson or even Thielen could use some help because his separation just isn't there anymore. Just giving but, somebody to maybe double look at, put their eyes on Rager and just give him like one extra second to get open. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, he's really fast. And he's had, what well, I think he's had like three or four touches this whole season. So
0: Yeah, I want to see more from him. The other guy I want to hit on is Zach Ertz. I feel like we are really bad at stopping tight ends. And then right. he the middle of the field wide open. And yeah. like we saw last week, I mean two weeks ago with the Dolphins, like tight ends, like they seemed that. The happy. second was I the happy.
1: guy, yeah, right. The ugliest gritty I've never seen.
0: Yeah, that was the longest greedy I've ever seen in my life. Like, he could have But I saw away. the
1: one he did, I think, a couple weeks prior, but I think the one against us was even uglier. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't All see that we traded for two him, weeks though. ago. I, I like I like this thing, but yeah. I think I, the thing with Kendrick is I can't tell if he's losing a step or if just the scheme we're in is making him think too much. To...
0: He is, yeah. He's not really been a huge kind of factor on the defensive side of things that we've seen in the past. It really felt like any play from Kendrick's last, like even what we've seen in the past, is like how did he make that play? And now that he's getting more shine, or he, it just feels like he's kind of lost a step almost.
1: I mean, he, he's, I mean, I think he's twenty nine, almost thirty now, so he might be losing a step, but. Coverage was his like his thing where he he was like the best in the league. I mean, people always say him or Fred Warner for those couple years, but yeah, he he's he's been getting picked apart and Jordan Hicks as well. Like, that, and that's why I think Asamola maybe should get some more. At least yeah, I want to see. Score. I want to see
0: more packages like rotate yeah. some guys in and so. stuff.
1: Yeah, because I mean, it seems like our rookies aren't playing either, and I just think Asamola is a guy who could help us in coverage. Because even if he's missing tackles, he's he's not the strongest guy. He's probably one of the fastest linebackers in the league. He kind of reminds me, I mean, what I think he could be is kind of how Deion Jones was when he came in with the Falcons. I don't know if you remember when he came in as a rookie, like, yeah. just standing out. Just, he was, he's like, 5'11", but he was making plays, and I don't know with how bad our like our coverage is on tight ends. I think he could be an asset.
0: Yeah.
1: Harrison Smith, kind of, he's never been, you know how Zach Ertz is his kryptonite, so.
0: <laughs> That's, yeah, it's like, Zach Ertz is one of the better tight ends of the league, so it's like... Yeah. Those are going to be the huge things for the defensive side of things. Like, containing Murray. Obviously, you have DeAndre Hopkins, but, like, Zach Ertz is probably going to be a wild card. Yeah.
1: And then also, I I think Rondell Moore is another guy. He's like, they're Jamie Rager, but they actually know how to use him. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just maybe heard his last time because they're all worried about Hopkins and he just Mm -hmm. broke loose. But, yeah. I think the other thing is, I don't know if James Conner is going to play or not. He's been out the last couple weeks.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing I had in my notes. He's questionable to play. They, they really just kind of do a running back by committee. They're not really, like – they have the 13th-month rushing yards per game, but it's, like, three guys have 200 yards each, so it's, like – Yeah,
1: I, I, I liked what I saw from their backup, but, you know, Benjamin, he's – honestly, he's – I mean, honestly, all their running backs are – James is not fast. He's, like
0: – Yeah, he he had his moments in, in uh, Pittsburgh, but – I mean, um,
1: last year he had, what, like, 20 touchdowns? But it was, like, because all his – they were all, like, in the five. He wasn't breaking runs. Right? They were all, like, goal line. To yeah. goals, touchdowns. But I think, you know, Benjamin, he's – honestly, I, I think I might rather see James Conner play. Yeah, because he's As, just looking
0: – he's 5'9", yeah, 207. Like, okay.
1: Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like he's strong and he might break a couple tackles, but he's not going to break anything. Yeah. I just don't like when we get those chunk plays and I can see Benjamin ripping a couple 10, 15-yard runs. I just don't see Conner – he's just not fast enough. I just – unless he has, like, a wide open hole, I don't see him breaking – through our through our line and our linebackers,
0: yeah, he uh, has. He's averaging 4.60 yards per carry, but it's kind of it's deceiving. If you like, just look at his game log. There's like a game or two where he has like seven yards per game, like seven yards. Yeah, Connor or, or Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin, sorry. Well, yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I think last last game was his best game of the season. But I I remember him in college. He I kind he was a guy wanted the Vikings against an on draft. He was really good. I think with went to Arizona. He's he's a he's probably better than James Conner right now, honestly. I mean, in, in a goal line situation, you're going to want James Conner, but I I kind of hope James Conner plays, honestly.
0: Yeah, I do too, because I, I do think that James Conner is going to be less of a – Yeah.
1: But I, honestly, if we weren't leading against the Dolphins, I think Raheem Mostert would have become a problem too because he's one of the faster running backs in the league. I do
0: really like Waddle. Well, I, I think he's underrated. You said Waddle? no uh, most most yeah 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 he's he's
1: he's he's old too but he's you think he's like almost thirty but he's whenever he plays he always does really well
0: yeah I, I like most, what I see from him when he does play
1: yeah i'm just, I'm just glad we kept the league I just don't want to get down and I feel like if we were to get down to the Cardinals yeah I think it'd be it, they'd have a better chance of staying in drives with you know Benjamin and James Connor
0: and coming off the bye week the defense has progressively got gotten better each week yeah, you yeah. throw all the Chicago Bears game. That one, I think they took a step back, but beyond that, I think they have taken steps forward. It's it was going to be a process with you know new offense, new defense. So coming off the bye week, they're improving defensively. Hopefully, we see another like step forward coming off this. Yeah. I
1: like to see Andrew Booth maybe get some snaps.
0: Yeah, because I mean he's been I mean, out most of the year pretty much. Yeah, because,
1: Chandler Sullivan is terrible. Yeah, he's he's really bad. He's always on Twitter talking stuff
0: and going back and forth with family. He's like the new Bashan Bouchard Yeah, I mean
1: he he's made some tackles, but
0: the reason he had to make tackles
1: was because he gave up potential. <laughs>
0: yeah, he's he's been pretty bad. I, I I I'm good with being done watching him play.
1: Yeah, I mean and I think Booth could barely play nickel situations. I mean because if not as bad as Sullivan gets, I don't know if I want to see Chris Boyd playing. Yeah,
0: not for sure. <laughs> so,
1: but, yeah, no, I'd like to see – I mean, that's one thing, I guess. I, I'd like to see Andrew Booth maybe get some snaps. And I, I know we signed – I don't remember his name. We signed a defensive tackle from the Bears off their practice squad a couple – or the Falcons like two, three weeks ago. Um, I, I don't know. I'd just like to maybe see – maybe get some more people in the defensive line rotation. That got uh, Jonathan Bullard. I yeah, don't know really yeah. if him at all. Uh, they
0: have Bullard. But, I mean, they have, they've had a good rotation of Townsend and Phillips. They've been – solid this year. I'm trying to see.
1: Is it behind? I mean, I think a James Lynch had a pretty good play. One, one or two good plays against the Dolphins. But yeah, I've always kind yards. of
0: liked what I've seen from Lynch. Um, yeah. So many guys, so it's like hard to filter.
1: Yeah. Let me check if I can find
0: the name. But yeah, um, It'll be interesting to see kind of what I do want to see more improvement defensively. I'm not worried about the defense, but I do think I do think that Booth can it's almost like he like Patrick Peterson's ca- career's I mean, he's had a great career. Cam Dansler is a roller coaster. He has a lot of highs, he has a lot of lows. There's not much in between. Where I think that Andrew Booth Jr., like, if he does play, and he does play well, he has the ability to be their best corner. Oh, yeah, easily. He's, easy. That, he's yeah. that talented. He could easily transform this defense into be – he could be a shutdown corner. Yeah. It's just, like, he can't stay on the field. And he never has, like that's, – that's, that's, Yeah, and it's, like,
1: little confident. stuff. Yeah. I mean, he got hurt, like, on special teams or something. Like, it's a, yeah. It's always something. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I will say Patrick Peterson probably his best game as a Viking. That I yeah. could recall, even call recalling last season. He had like three pa- he had two pass breakups and then an the interception. So I mean those those are probably the best plays I've seen him make for us. But at the same time, you weren't you aren't lying. Like the thing is when you play teams with fast receivers, Patrick Peterson is not a guy you want. Yeah. I
0: and I, hopefully he has a revenge game though, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't even thought about that. The revenge factor. yeah. So yeah, maybe he'll I mean he's coming off his best game, so maybe he will have a big one. Yeah. But Yeah, I'm excited to see the game. I mean, I don't like I said, I'm not really a big like I don't really watch the Falcons, but when I do, they are a pretty entertaining team to watch. So I think it'll be, I think it might be a higher scoring game. I do too. If we let Justin Fields put twenty some up on us, (laughs) yeah, and DeAndre Hopkins, I mean that that's that's going to be a problem. But I think the other thing we haven't touched on is just the offense, like just playing a complete game, like against the Bears, twenty-one-three. Like it was, it was like. It was like poetry. Just move, march down the field, long drives. Yeah,
0: touchdowns or, they and they, they haven't of, been consistent. I and mean, I think like getting a little, they I think when they've gotten a little stale on offense, they use like the Jalen Rager play. They use a different. They use a bunch of variety of flashy plays or again yeah, like that little out,
1: throwback to Jefferson the throw to throw the down. Yeah, like, exactly. So there's like
0: different like things I think they will start to utilize a little more as the season progresses and. I think they said at the beginning of the year, this is the most complicated offense they've ever had to learn. Yeah. So I think one
1: thing- The 10-3 and outs against the Dolphins.
0: Yeah. So just- they,
1: coming into that game, they had given up three all season. And I think we went three and out like our, what, first four, five. Yeah. Right? I, don't, I don't know. It's just we got. And that's one thing with Cousins. It, it's always been the thing for him. He's, he's the king of three and outs. I mean, he just give up and throw a check down. But it's about those first two down. I mean, honestly, I think first down is the biggest one. A lot of those Dalvin rushes have been negative or nothing, which puts a second and 10. Which kind of – I don't know. We can just get a solid five every – and yeah. watching the Rams, they have that little Cooper Cup run out. It's, it's pretty much like a, a run play, but he just runs out and they throw him a little quick pass. It always gets him at least five yards. I mean, I just think we should use Jefferson, just little things like that. Even Osborne could probably do. It. He's fast enough. I don't know about Thielen anymore.
0: I just, it's, yeah. It's so, you know, but, yeah, and I think – I think, yeah, opening up the playbook a little more. and
1: like, I think we yeah, will yeah. see
0: that,
1: but... Yeah, I mean, o- O'Connell, he was with McVay, so I know he got some more tricks in his bag. He's worked with a lot of good guys. It's just, I mean, the, the fact that we're 5-1 and one with how bad Kirk's... I mean, Kirk's not playing bad, per se, but if you look at, like, drive-to-drive, drive, it's like he's a different guy. Some drives, he looks like MVP. Some drives, he looks like Bat Ryan, honestly.
0: Yeah, I said that, I've always said that, like, they're 5-1 because of Kirk Cousins, but they're also in close games and almost on the verge yeah. of losing because Kirk Cousins. So, it's like you take the 5-1, and one, but there is still the negative. Yeah, if, we, if we
1: could just get them playing, like, last year, like, to that level, we would be really hard to beat. Yeah. But also, right. I think one other thing is it's kind of like the luck is switching compared to last year. Like, the games we would have won last year, or we should have won last year, we're winning yeah. now. and I mean, the Cardinals was one of those when we, like I said, when Joseph missed a kick and then that that Dalvin Cook fumble against the Bengals, which really wasn't actually a fumble, but we ain't got to go there. But, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has been luck. But also, if we can just finish games or just bury teams, that's the thing with Zimmer that we hated, was he would get like a 17-0 lead and just not score again, not even try to score again. Yeah, it was. It seems like O'Connell, I mean, it's it's not that he's not trying. It's just. It's like when they when they get off the scripted plays, things just kind of when there's when because the, those first opening drives have been money, except against the Dolphins.
0: But. Yeah, they need to get the if they have the opportunity, they need to receive the ball to start the game.
1: On. Oh yeah, yeah. Put the pressure on them too, but then it's because it, with our two minute defense, and that's that's probably the biggest difference. Uh, those those, yeah. those middle, like I said, I listen to Score North sometimes, and <laughs> Phil Mackey was talking about the middle eight minutes. It's like or, or the, the yeah, it's like the four minutes before halftime, four minutes after halftime, and it's, like, teams that win that, like, win those minutes usually. I think they're winning, like, they took, like, 16 games one week, and their teams are like, 14-2. and,
0: two. and it's, I, didn't, um, I didn't know that, but I would say, yeah, They, I think they, they've done – they've done a good job, like, when they win, win need it, to step yeah. up.
1: Yeah, I think we lead the league in point differential in the last, like, two minutes, which was our – I mean, we are the worst team in history last year. Yeah, so, yeah, man.
0: So, I don't know. Like, what is
1: yeah, your predictions? Uh, see, I, I've been trying to think about it, man. I, I mean, I think it would go either way. I think if we lose, it'll be close. But I could see us winning bigger. Yeah. Kind of. But I, I don't know. I've, I have a good feeling, man. I think O'Connell's going to let some plays we haven't seen out. And I, I could see us getting, like I said, I think we can get Rager some plays, maybe get a big one from him. And I think Osborne, too, man. People sleep on him. I think the Cardinals might take him lately. Which, I mean, I, I can't blame him, but Jefferson's like 60% of our pass game, so. Yeah. Like, I, think, I think we're going to win. I'm going to go 35 to 17. I
0: right, said so I had 35 to 31, so okay. close, but we'll see. You. Hopefully we can get it done. Thank you for joining me. If you want to follow Ty, you can follow him at TyTyBuckets on Twitter. I mean, we'll have to get you on again soon.
1: Yeah, man. It was great, man. And like I said, I, I love what you're doing, man. Like I said, we met at the uh, the <laughs> Stranger Things trivia with uh, yeah, for sure. Our friend Austin, but yeah, man, it was great. it's great. I mean, it's, we talk more now than we did. We only talked for a couple minutes there, but it's great to you know talk to you, man. And I followed you on Twitter after, and like I said, yeah. I love what you're doing with all your pages and the content, man. You guys got to stick with this guy because he's gonna do some big things. He's, he's working hard.
0: I appreciate it, man. Thank you.
1: Hey, yeah, man. You have a good night. You
0: too. All right, let's close things off talking about the Minnesota Twins. Let's review the catching group and kind of what we'll expect heading into next year, and maybe what the Twins could could do with that situation. As a reminder, these are meant to be just a quick review of the player season and what's to come. Some of these trickier situations we'll dive into deeper, you know, later in the season. But let's kick things off talking about Ryan Jeffers. He is arbitration eligible until twenty twenty six, and by that time he will be twenty nine. So he is kind of under this steel, I would say. I don't know if I, I, and when I, you can't see me, but when I said that, I said it in quotation marks with a finger, you know, air quotation marks, just because, yeah, he is arbitration eligible until 2026, but he is kind of not your long-term solution. We'll get to that in a second next year he will probably make under 1 million dollars he doesn't make that much and he didn't play that much this year because of the injury he missed i guess i should look i was looking i have his stats up but i didn't have his games but yeah so last season he only played in 67 games so he did miss you know a large portion of it he came back later in the season after that trip with, down like with st paul The obvious move is to keep him. You know, he's arbitration eligible until 2026. There's no real reason. Worst case, you keep him and you use him as a backup. Ryan Jeffers as your backup catcher would not be a bad thing. He's still a serviceable hitter who is a good defender behind the plate. Last season, he hit 208 with seven home runs and an OPS plus of 86. For reference, OPS plus, your number should be around 100, and that's kind of the average. It's not kind of. It is the average. 100 is the average. And if you're below that, you're below average. So, 208, seven home runs. Obviously, he missed one, I mean, two-thirds of the season. So, I don't know. Like, maybe maybe seven home runs turns into 20 home runs or 18. But I'm not really... I'm not really there with Ryan Jeffers, to be honest. I liked him kind of coming through the system and what we saw, you know, watching Ryan Jeffers almost felt like Mitch Garver in the making where he had the power and all he had to do then was just hit a little, make a little more, just make a little more contact because he was a better defender. He did have the power like Mitch Garver, but it just hasn't come together. And defensively, he is good. He was the better defensive catcher between him and Gary Sanchez. But the biggest knock, and you saw it a lot throughout the season, teams just ran on the Minnesota Twins because they couldn't throw anyone out. Ryan Jeffers only threw out 18% of his runners. He was 7-31. So other than good power, what is he really giving you? I mean, yeah, he is a good defender. He can give you power, but 208 batting average. 285 on-base percentage, and he's only slugging 363. I will dive into like what they should do free agent-wise, but Ryan Jeffers looks like a backup catcher. If Ryan Jeffers is your starting catcher and will be starting 100-plus games for you, that's probably not going to end well for the Minnesota Twins. Let's move on to Gary Sanchez. He did have a 205 batting average, 16 home runs, 89 OPS plus. The twins thought they could turn him around. And I honestly did too. I really, I really did believe they could turn Gary Sanchez around. They just didn't. And at this point in his career, I'm gonna pull up his stat sheet again, but I have all this, I have all this stuff kind of here. Gary Sanchez will be 30 years old next season. He turns 30. In December. So 30 years old. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. This year he made 9 million dollars. Off the off the top of my head. I believe it was 9. Maybe it was 10 or 11. But Gary Sanchez will not be making that kind of money next season. He's been continuously regressing. Each year. If you just look at it. He did play in 11 more games this year. For the Twins. Than he did last year with the New York Yankees. But. Batting average is about the same, two hundred four last year, two hundred five this year. Had a way worse on base percentage, two eighty two this year, and he only slugged three seventy seven. OPS plus, I can't remember if I said it. OPS plus was eighty nine. There's just so much left to be desired, almost with Gary Sanchez and the Twins were obviously hope. I don't think they thought they would be getting you know a two you know your silver slugger hitting through thirty plus home runs, but. I think they expected a little bit more from the plate from him. He's not good defensively, but I would say that he did kind of surprise us. He surprised me for sure. Like I didn't think he would be, he wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible like all the New York Yankee writers and fans were saying, but at 30 years old and an unrestricted free agent, unless you can lock him up for just like dirt cheap, there's really no sense in bringing him back. We tried the Gary Sanchez, Ryan Jeffers combo. It didn't work, and it was kind of abysmal. Again, moving forward, I will be looking at the free agent class of what they could do with the catchers. I'm not there yet mentally to look at free agents. I'm still kind of reviewing the season here on this podcast and through articles, but again, you can't bring back Gary Sanchez unless you get him for like a minor league deal or just really, really cheap because he's just not it. And if he's he's already going to be 30 next year, and he's continued to regress as his career has gone on. What's there to believe that next year, when he's thirty, he's going to improve drastically? It just—it's not going to happen. Let's talk about Sandy Leone, the last catcher on here, because Caleb Hamilton obviously is not with the Twins anymore. He had a goodish year, I'd say, with the Twins. I don't think they expected much from him. He's more so kind of a addition, because of the uncertainty with Ryan Jeffers injury, he only hit 169 with the twins, no home runs, 71 at bats again, 33 years old. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He was good defensively. And I I do believe that the twins got more out of him than they really expected for a while. Like when he first joined the team, he actually looked kind of good, but as his kind of, it kind of went on. He just kind of, he just wasn't it. I did enjoy watching him. He did take really good at bats at times where he would just he would make the pitcher throw him a strike, and if they didn't, he would take the walk. But at 33, you already have Ryan Jeffers on, on the roster. You can bring back Gary Sanchez. You also can look at the free agent class. Sandy Leone is really not your answer unless you want to bring him back on the minor league deal and kind of just stash him in St. Paul on, until there's an injury. Or you need some sort of catching help, but he had knee surgery to end the end the year. And what are we talking? He'll be thirty four next year, coming off knee surgery. I think it's safe to say that Sandy Leone's career in Minnesota is over. Let me know in the comments section, or just like tweet at me at Let's Talk Twins what you think the Twins should do with the catching group. I didn't really hit on it that hard because, I mean. There's really not much to say other than they need to go out and get a free agent. Ryan Jeffers, Gary Sanchez, and Sandy Leone are not your long-term answers. So we'll see what kind of comes of that. Let's end things with a new segment I'm going to be doing weekly. If you see my tweets on all my accounts, you know that I do MVP, rough game, and underrated. Starting now, I will be doing MVP, rough week, and underrated. Just underrated players of the week. And I haven't really gotten the chance to watch much of the Minnesota Wild because I'm so focused on NBA and the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I I have all this stuff going on in my life that I can't watch every single game. Like if the Timberwolves play on Tuesday night, I can't watch always the Wild on Wednesday night. I have other stuff going on. I will try to get better at that. So this is just a Timberwolves-based MVP rough week and underrated. From MVP... This was kind of really tough because the Timberwolves are two and two. I'm like I'm recording this on two on a Tuesday night. They are two and two. They've had some rough losses. They haven't looked great in the games they've won beyond the OKC game. But even then, that didn't look great until they threw that lineup in with Nas Reed, Jalen Noel, McLaughlin, etc. So for MVP, I did have Anthony Edwards. And I didn't really know if Anthony Edwards was the right decision here because last night, on Monday night, the Timberwolves got absolutely killed by the San Antonio Spurs. They're down by 30. They're getting booed. And Anthony Edwards played like shit. I already talked about the first game, so I'm going to ignore. I'm not talking about any of the home opener game. But the second game of the season, 30 points. 12 of 23, 3 of 9 from the 3, from three, 5 threes, 2 assists, 1 block. Then you go to OKC where he was a huge factor in why the Timberwolves won because he was just scoring the ball whenever he felt like it, wherever he wanted to. On the floor, 30 points, 13 of 19, 3 of 7 from 3, 11 boards, 3 assists, 1 steal. But the kicker here on like why I didn't know if I should do MVP is because obviously they lost that Utah game. But then you can say the same thing about throwing any other player than an MVP section. Like, yeah, they lost those those games. But Anthony Edwards was really bad against the Spurs. He did have 10 boards and two assists, but shot three of 15, had nine points. It, this was a tough one. And I, I did put him there just because I kind of thought he wheeled his way to – he was the reason – if we're ignoring the home opener game because I already talked about it last week on my podcast – the one win that we're talking about was because Anthony Edwards was scoring the ball. So that's why I have Anthony Edwards as my MVP. Hopefully we see him bounce back. He did like I've talked about with Ty. He is not, he, he said it himself. He's not good at back to backs and that's something he will need to work on for rough week. The problem with the Minnesota Timberwolves is there's not like there's one player that's like been just really, really bad they all kind of show up in some sort of fashion whether it's rebounding assisting the ball you know doing a little more of the other things than just scoring the ball but there's still reasons why they're losing you know just lack of effort lack of hustle they're not playing defense there there's a lot of things that are factoring into it and through the preseason it was almost it was evidently clear that Bryn Forbes was your answer It was pecking order was going to be Jalen Noel, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers. That hasn't been the case. And, I mean, Bryn Forbes has been really underwhelming. He did have six points last night against the San Antonio Spurs. Shot two of four. But the Timberwolves need his scoring off the bench. They need his three-point shooting. And that's why they brought him in. And we saw that in the preseason and how valuable he can be. He's a leader. He's been there. He's he's won rings. He's won a ring, not rings. He's won a ring. But he just hasn't been it. He scored in four games. He's only scored six points. And that was the one last night. But he's 0 for 3 against OKC in that one win. 0 for 2 from 3. Didn't shoot and play two minutes in the Utah game. And we're not talking about the home opener, but he did have zero points and went 0 for 2. So he's not shooting the ball well. He's not. Scoring, and that's what he's brought in for. He's not going to play defense. He's not going to rebound. He's not going to assist. And the only thing he can do is shoot. And if he's not giving you that, he's virtually unplayable. Underrated. I want to talk. I want to give this one to Jordan McLaughlin, which kind of feels like this has just become the Jordan McLaughlin award because he's not scoring the ball. He's not doing, you know, the flashy things, but he always shows up in the stat sheet of. He'll finish with a higher plus-minus. And I'm not a fan of plus-minus because it doesn't really tell the full story. But Jordan McLaughlin is just a plus-minus king. I believe he's leading the team in plus-minus, but I'd have to double-check that. This season, he scored four in the opener, five against the Utah Jazz, and two against the San Antonio Spurs. But in that OKC game, he had 21. He played 21 minutes. I want to pull up his plus-minus and like just his stat line because Okay, my app's not working. Let me just go to my tweet because I did tweet about it. Okay, I keep messing up on the typing. Give me one second here. Okay, I got it. My bad, guys. So Jordan McLaughlin didn't score a point in 21 minutes against the Oklahoma City Thunder but he was a game-high plus 23. If he didn't play that game, there's a case that the Timberwolves might lose. 21 minutes and you're a plus 23 without even scoring the ball. He just comes in, he assists, he gets steals, he doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't need a score to make an impact, and that is so valuable, especially with other scores like Anthony Edwards, Jalen Noel, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns like they're just there's so many players on this team that want to score the ball and Jordan McLaughlin is looking to give him that ball he's just been key and he's he's going to be a huge factor off the Timberwolves bench and hopefully he can continue to help this team win and just kind of be the um just like a really just a stabilizer in the second unit The Timberwolves do need to turn around. We'll see what they do Wednesday night again against the San Antonio Spurs. Hopefully they bounce back. I do believe they will. I don't think they can come out and look as bad as they did. So at least that's a positive. But that wraps up our 32nd episode. Be sure to follow Let's Talk Minnesota Sports on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can follow my show or you, you can follow my Twitter accounts at Let's Talk Twins, Let's Talk Wolves, Let's Talk Vikes, and Let's Talk Wild. If you were a fan of, of Ty, you can follow him at Ty Ty Buckets on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. Cheers.